All right, it's my second AMA. Um, I thought I'd try something different this week and just do one question um, because I think I could easily go more than the 15-minute the limit that LinkedIn imposes. Um, it's a question near and dear to my heart. So this is something that Andy Graham asked. Um, basically, the nature of the question is, you know, how do you, how do you determine pricing? Um, how do you manage your team relative to pricing? So Andy says, how much is too much involvement from the team in creating estimates and proposals? We've gone back and forth. The team always wants to deliver a Ferrari, but the sales side knows the budget is a Honda and it causes friction even before the contract is signed. So I feel very seen in this question. This is this reminds me of my own personal experience. Um, you know, I kind of cut my teeth in my career at Happy Cog back in 2011 um, and came into the industry without a lot of like fundamental understanding of like web design. I was much more of a relationship BD guy and less of a like web guy. Um, so early in my career, like all of pricing came from estimating. We would convene the four or five different department heads, depending on you know how many we had at a given time. We would sit down with the details from the project and we would like map out and imagine beat by beat every step, every phase of the project. What kind of tactics were we going to use in the discovery phase? How many rounds of design did we want to do in design? You know, where would front end dev come in? What kind of platform were we building it on? Were we doing back end? All of that. We would literally fill, fill out a spreadsheet like hour by hour by hour by hour into this kind of aggregate estimate. And to be fair, like I didn't know any different. Like I didn't know enough about what things cost or how long it took us to do things or what the value of things were to have any strong opinions about estimating and pricing. So what we wound up with was like high prices. I mean, you, when you start, when you work from that kind of like every department stakes their claim and sometimes is a little conservative and wants to protect their territory and wants to be, you know, have a little overage. Like once you start to do that and you do that three and four and five times, you wind up with like massive, massive, massive budgets. And you wind up spending, you know, we would spend an hour to an hour and a half estimating different projects. That's an hour and a half of five people's time who are department heads who probably, you know, bill at $250. That's an expensive meeting. To, and we did like once a week, we had have an estimating meeting to go through these things. It was, I mean, it was an education for me because I got this hear how people thought about these things. I got to kind of be witness to this process, but at the same time, like, holy crap, this was an arduous and expensive in every direction way of doing things. Over time, you know, we had versions of projects that emerge over time. Like I started to understand, oh, this feels comparable to this project we did last year. This feels comparable to this project we estimated previously. Started to have more of like a, just the fundamental grammar of what things cost and how pricing worked got to a point where we were having fewer of those meetings. I was estimating things more myself to the point where I would just meet with Dave DeRucci, who was our VP of ops at the time. And truly we would do this exercise where we would like look at the project, review all the information together, and then we would write down a price. And then we would go through an estimating process to try to figure it out, you know, block out the timing, figure out what kind of value each section needed. And after doing all that long division, if we weren't within $10,000 in our initial kind of gut check, it was a miracle. Like we, it was shocking how close we were to the math just by like spitballing it and keeping our kind of estimates private from each other. Like we were getting there even without doing all the long division. So like all that to say, like there's, there's 
there's lots of ways to do this. It's, it's an imprecise science. I think the way I think of it typically is, are you budgeting up or are you pricing down? And, and that's the mechanics of how that price decision is made. If you're budgeting up, you're handing control to your team. They're figuring out what something costs. They're building a price. Um, and then you're probably doing some kind of like, you know, pricing math on top of that. If you're value pricing, if you're, you know, client, you're pricing the client, if you're doing cost plus, if you're doing hour, like all that stuff, like you're basically though working from this kind of aggregate budget that turns into a price that you propose to the client. The other way this can work is pricing down, which is the sales team tells you what the budget is and you figure out a way to do it within that budget. Like the budget is $70,000. How are we going to do this? Instead of the budget, now that we've added everything up is $120,000. Tell the client it's no, no, no. The budget is being told to us by the client. It's $70,000. How are we going to fit our project into those constraints? And I think that like, generally speaking, you know, you have to operate within the reality that you're in. And sometimes you're in a reality where a client is so excited to work with you that you can tell them what the price is. And sometimes you're in a reality where you don't have that kind of leverage and you have to decide if you want to operate within the client's budget or if you want to tell them what it costs and not work with them. I mean, that, then, then the reality is like day to day that could change. One week you could be telling people to go take a hike because they don't have enough money and this is what a thing costs. And another week when things are slow and you need a project and payroll's bearing down on you and the reality of an agency is just, you know, the payroll and cash flow really impact everything and you have to work within the constraints of the client's budget. Let's assume that we're not able to write our own check. Let's just assume that we're not in this kind of like, you know, call your own shot, price it however you want. Clients are lining up to pay you whatever you feel like kind of dynamic. Let's assume that, you know, occasionally at least, we're having to work within the constraints of what the client's stated budget is and there's not much ability to move the needle on that and we have to kind of operate within those kind of parameters. To me, I think number one is to make a hero out of like profitability of efficiency. Like you have to make that your team's love language. You have to celebrate it. You have to single people out when they achieve it. You have to, you know, bonus people when they're good at it. You have to emphasize working smarter, not harder. You have to, you know, align your motivations. You have to make sure that like everybody understands like Doing great work is what we do every day, but what we re our love language is doing great work profitably, doing great work and making money, doing great work and you know keeping the lights on. And and this is the the way we do this is by you know working within these budgets and ensuring that we're profitable. I think sometimes when if you feel like there's an urge on the team to do more, that they feel like they're they're constrained, they're not able to do everything that they want. Like I get that, and you don't want to tell people to you know, dampen their enthusiasm or do less than their best work. I think that you have to work really hard and say it over and over and over again and really manifest this this groupthink kind of understanding within your team that like what we do is we do great work and we do it profitably. We do great work and we do it, you know, so that we can pay our bills and move on to the next project. You have to make the mechanics, you know, of running an agency really transparent to your team so that they're on board for the mission. If they're not on board for the mission, then, you know, maybe they self-select out that they don't want to work in an agency or they don't want to work in your agency. But you want to help people feel like, listen, there's two ways to get from point A to point B. This person's path is almost as good as the other person's or just as good as the other person's. And it gets there more efficiently, more profitably, like celebrate that person, put them on a pedestal, give them a bonus. Like, again, make that your love language, that this is what matters to the agency. And this is why it matters. And educate your team. This is why it matters. This is 
This is why we are excited about this. This is this is the impact it has. The other way that you can get there too is I think you have to employ some tactics that redefine what success means for your team and, and helps them define versions of success even when they're operating within what feel like constraints. If they're if they're in a Honda-like budget and they have Ferrari aspirations, you have to give them different measurements of success, different goals they can achieve so they can, you know, have a like a Ferrari kind of attitude. You want them to have this kind of ambition to have a Ferrari type of project. So two things that I love to recommend to people. One is create clear project manifestos. Now, manifesto is just at the in the sales process, you know, define with the project manager, sales and PM or sales and the team leads, define what is the manifesto of this project. The manifesto is like the billboard-like statement that explains why your team is the perfect team to help the client achieve their goal. Like So something like, you know, we're gonna do this project because it, the mission is something that we can get behind and our team is the only team that can help them realize their brand identity, you know, uh, in a differentiated way or, or, you know, we're doing this project because they're an amazing client we're not going to make a ton of money on it, but we're down for the mission or, you know, we're doing this project because we are having a chance to work in a CMS we haven't worked in before. We need to add this to our skill set. The mission is like, get this experience within the CMS, figure out what is the, what is your team's definition of success what is your manifesto for it's going to be different than what the client wants and what the brief states and what's public to the client i'm talking about an internal rallying cry manifesto kind of magna carta like statement about why are we doing this project as long as people understand why you're doing the project then they'll aim for the right goals if if the reason why you're doing the project is like this is a great project that we can do effortlessly, we can knock this out of the park, we can do this, you know, and we can do it quickly, and we can make a lot of money on this project because we're so good at it, then the team understands, like, that kind of efficiency is the success of the project. That kind of achievement is the success of the project, not, you know, the best work we've ever added to our portfolio or, or something like that. So I think having clear project manifestos is a great opportunity to align goals and make sure that the team is all on the same page. The other thing that I would recommend is, have team members create personal goals within the project. Um, challenge them to find ways to challenge themselves. You know, not every project is like dream client and dream project and the best thing I'm ever gonna work on. Sometimes there's some pretty like, you know, boring ass clients and routine projects and it's not something you wanna like jump out of bed for. So create your own personal goals within that project. You know, I'm gonna, I'm a front-end developer and I'm gonna create starter files in a different way than I have before. I'm a designer and I wanna use AI to generate a bunch of icons and see if I can leverage AI in some of the work I'm doing. I'm a strategist, I wanna try this kind of workshop instead of that kind of workshop. I'm a PM, I wanna try, you know, different kind of, of project management methodology in this one. I wanna try, I wanna test drive a different PM software, whatever it is. like. If you can create, you can control your own goals. You have autonomy and you have mastery over your own goals. If you define your own goals, then you have your opportunity to kind of challenge yourself and success is, you know, I did it. I, I experimented with this new way of doing things. I thought it was really great. I'm gonna do it the next time. I, you know, I tried this thing out. It wasn't exactly what I was looking for. I can rule that out and not have to worry about that anymore. Like it puts control in your own hands of what success is and it, it, gives you other opportunities to succeed besides 
this is the best project I've ever worked on and I did it the best way I ever could and you know everything's a Ferrari like when you have Honda constraints then create different versions of success within those Honda budget constraints last but not least if that is the case if that is if that if those are the kinds of of ways we're trying to drive success in the reality of the agency we are working backwards from a stated price from the client it becomes sales responsibility to go out there and create clients that are eager to pay what you tell them you're worth that's their job like it's not sales job in my estimation to just take inbound leads and close them lots of people can do that you don't need sales people to do that your team could probably do that like that's not a, a, a a skill set that's unique to a salesperson. What your sales team needs to be doing and your biz dev team and your marketing team and all those people that are aligned in that kind of world, they need to be focused on creating opportunities with partners where their value in you is so high, you have so much equity, they're excited to work with you, that you are naming your price and telling people what things cost and your team's pleased as punch with the budget they're working within. You're not taking a client budget and trying to manufacture within those constraints. You are building rapport, building equity, building esteem, building relationships to the point where you get to tell the client what a thing costs. You come in early into the conversation or they just are willing to write the, whatever check you require, but you're building enough rapport, you're developing relationships, you're developing that kind of sentiment among the people that you're working with that you have more of a, shot to call like you that you have more control over dictating price and determining budget so you know i think it's all well and good to find ways to help your team work within what may be the reality of certain constraints and find ways to kind of reshape that dynamic reshape expectations create new definitions of success find ways for people to be their best selves within those constraints but at the same time if they're going to do that then it is absolutely your sales team's responsibility to go out and manufacture better opportunities that give them the chance to tell them what the price is versus having to work backwards from their price. That should be the barometer that sales is evaluated by, not just closing deals, not just you know signing contracts. It should be like, how, how much are you moving the needle in improving the quality of the opportunities that we're responding to or that we're pursuing such that we get to dictate our own price tell people what things cost have more you know autonomy and direct things more than react to things so it's, it's a two-way street um i think you need to operate within your existing constraints for now but then build up the kind of constraints and then the freedom that you want to operate within in the future i hope that helps